Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality with an emphasis on BDSM kink and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and this week we're going to talk about poly do's and don'ts, things to help keep your relationship healthy and happy and have a successful polyamorous relationship. While this is obviously geared towards poly, a lot of the things I'm going to talk about transfer very well to monogamous couples. So don't tune out if you think this isn't for you. You might be you might be surprised. I'm also going to answer some questions from the last Polly podcast I did. There's a reason I didn't call this Peter's Polly podcast. No, my name's not Peter. Before we get started, I want to send a very happy birthday to Kay. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your support throughout the entirety of this podcast. You were one of our earliest sponsors, and you have been there every step of the way. I enjoy our interaction, and I'm wishing you a very happy birthday. I also want to welcome Tara to the Patreon family. It's possible I mentioned this person earlier, but I don't know, and I want to make sure that they get a shout-out. So, welcome, Tara. If you would like to be a Patreon sponsor, head over to our website at wickedfellow.com. You can find all of our links there. The podcast is hosted there, and our media links are there as well. So give that a visit if you are interested in learning more about our entire worldwide operation. Hint, it's just me. Also on the Patreon front, I've been putting out a weekly update podcast straight to the patrons, and that talks more about what I'm doing, things that are going on with the business, etc. There are movie suggestions, podcast suggestions, music suggestions, just kind of a little more in-depth personal stuff. I will be expanding that, and I will keep the business side of this operation kind of there. It's I understand that most of you who are listening to the podcast aren't necessarily interested in what goes on with the business side of Wicked Ways Studios. So I do want to keep this podcast very BDSM and poly-focused, and occasionally I might talk about being an amateur porn producer. Um, I do have more episodes in that nature that I think you might find interesting, but not necessarily from the business side of things. So if you are interested in stuff like that, check out our Patreon page. So just a brief refresher, since we haven't talked about poly for some time now. Being polyamorous means that you have more than one relationship concurrently, right? You have one partner and you have another partner. They may have a partner. They may have more than one partner. There's really no limit to how many partners you can have. However, to be successful, you can't just be dating 10 people. It can be very difficult to spread the amount of time you have in a day amongst that many individuals. So poly relationships tend to be around two or three, sometimes four. It really depends on if it's a primary relationship. For example, someone that you live with or if you are what's called solo poly, meaning that you're a lot of other people's partner, but you don't necessarily have a main partner, that kind of thing. Polyamory is also called ethical non-monogamy, same thing. It's often mistaken for things like swinging. There's nothing wrong with being a swinger or swinging, but swinging is very different in that swinging tends to be, we're gonna show up at this party and we don't necessarily know these people or we're friendly with these people, but we don't have ongoing day-to-day relationships. We're just kind of having a fun sex party where we swap partners. Totally cool, nothing wrong with that, but that's not really how poly operates. The key definition of poly is that you have relationships with these people. So I have a fully developed relationship with my partners, both of them, and neither one of them is just someone I see just to have sex with or just to have a fun time with. This is an ongoing serious relationship, 
It just so happens that I have more than one of them at the same time. Sometimes when I post on Instagram and I have pictures of my other partner, people are very surprised and they ask, well, where's Katja? What's going on? Katja is often standing just out of frame or for that particular day that was just with my other partner. Another key about ethical non-monogamy or poly is that in general, it's best practice that everybody knows everybody else and that there's, you know, there's nothing under the table. There's nothing hidden. There's nothing sneaking around. My partners very much know each other. They have a relationship between themselves. How deep that relationship goes will vary depending on the relationship. Sometimes they're just friends. Sometimes they're actually romantic partners between themselves. Sometimes they're just acquaintances. They just know each other, but they don't really hang out. You can't really expect all of your partners to get along as well as you do with your individual partners. And that leads me kind of into the first thing I wanted to talk about on poly do's and don'ts. Much like in my life, for some reason, it seems like if I have a close friend, it's very rare that I have a close connection with their partner, their spouse, their girlfriend or boyfriend. You know, it's you would think that, oh, well, I like this person and this person likes this person, so we should all just get along. But that's just not how life works. And very frequently in my life, I've had a very close friend that their partner and I were just waving acquaintances. We really didn't click. We didn't get along very well. Not necessarily antagonistic, but also we didn't seek each other out for any extra hangout time. And that's the way it can be with your poly partners as well. And you cannot insist that everybody in the polyamorous relationship is close to each other or is friends with each other or wants to hang out with each other. I always encourage it. I always like my partners to meet each other. I always like to foster the possibility of friendship. But you can't make it happen if it's not going to happen. Sometimes you just let it go. You know, I'm very fortunate that my current partners do like each other a great deal, do have a great deal of affection for each other. So that's great. So we can all hang out and we can enjoy each other's company. But I've had other poly relationships where two of my partners did not like each other. They did not want to hang out. And trying to force them into the same room with each other was just a bad idea. You know, they would be civil to each other, but neither of them really wanted to be there. That's very important for you to pick up on that, understand that, have those open communications with your partners and have the kind of trust and responsibility where they can say, you know, hey, I have no problem with your relationship with this person, but I don't really want to hang out with them. I don't necessarily like them. It's great that you guys have a relationship, but I don't want to hang out and respect that and understand that it's not a slide against you. It's not a slide against them. We can't choose who we like and who we get along with. And just because two people like one person doesn't mean those other two people are going to like each other. So yeah, I've, I've learned as I've had a lot of experience in poly that, you know, lay the groundwork, allow them the opportunity to be friends, but don't push so hard. Don't, don't push too hard on that friendship because it's not going to work out unless it happens naturally. Along those same lines, I think it's best practice in general in a poly relationship that you kind of keep the interpersonal goings on of that poly relationship separate. I'm not talking about keeping secrets, but for example, if you're having problems with one of your poly partners, it's not necessarily a great idea to vent those problems to your other partner or one of your other partners. And the reasons for that are the people that are in a close relationship with you, the people that are your partners, 
are on your side, right? They, they, they want to stand by you. They want to support you. They want to be there for you. And by venting about a problem you have with another partner, you tend to create this two-on-one dynamic, like it's us versus them. And you don't want to create that tension and that dynamic of, I'm unhappy with this person and I'm turning to you for comfort on this. It can be very difficult for the poly partner that you're turning to because it's going to create feelings of antagonism towards your other partner in them. So I would avoid it. I'm not saying that you can never broach a problem or have a discussion about your other partners, but think about what you're doing. Think about how you are presenting one of your partners to your other partner. Because frequently, you know, we get upset with somebody and we have hard feelings and we go vent to a friend and that's fine. The friend isn't necessarily part of the relationship with the other partner. Whereas in a poly relationship, those bonds can be very close and you don't want to have that antagonism from one of your partners to another partner transferred through you. So I would, I would avoid that. Can it be done healthily? You know, I'm sure that it can be done in a healthy way. I'm sure that there are some relationships where it's perfectly fine to vent and complain and say, oh, I can't take this anymore. They're driving me crazy, et cetera. And the person you're venting to doesn't necessarily form bad feelings towards your other partner. But human beings are human beings, and it's very easy to start to side with your partner and be against the other partner. And that can create a very unhappy and unhealthy relationship dynamic between the three of you. You know, then it's a matter of when you go to have a date with that other person, your other partner is thinking, well, you know, why do you even hang out with them? All they do is make you unhappy. All they do is make you sad. And you're choosing to go hang out with them instead of hanging out with me, for example. And that can come about because while you may complain about the things your partner does that annoy you, you don't always convey the things that you really like about that partner because that is part of the same coin. Just as you don't necessarily want to vent about your poly partner to one of your other partners, it can be bad form to always be talking about how amazingly happy they make you and, oh, I love this date and we had such a good time and, wow, I wish our dates were more like that. You don't want to do stuff like that. Because then that makes your other partner feel inferior. And that can also create tension and create hard feelings towards your other partner. So I try to keep it kind of neutral. I try to keep it to a point where it never feels like I'm playing them off against each other. Where it never feels like I'm complaining about one to the other or overpraising one to the other, etc. I try to keep that part of the relationship separate. It's a careful balance. It really is. It's the same kind of thing you have to do in any interpersonal relationship, whether it's among friends or coworkers, your spouse, etc. You know, I often see these problems in monogamous relationships where a spouse will complain to their spouse about their sister or their brother or a friend of theirs, and that can create an animosity, that can create a bad feeling towards that other person because we always want to side with our partner. Or if it's, you know, a close relative or a friend, if your spouse has a sister or a brother that you can't stand, you got to be careful about how much heat you bring against that person because you're putting your spouse in a very uncomfortable position. They want to choose you, but they also feel very close to their family, usually. So, you know, if you don't like your sister-in-law, sometimes you just have to grin and bear it because you don't want to put your partner, your spouse, your girlfriend or boyfriend 
in between the two of you feeling like they have to be a referee and keep you apart. It's the same dynamic here where you have to be careful who you vent to. You have to be careful on who you praise to as well. Because again, these feelings of inadequacy can come up, these feelings of fear and jealousy. That's part of any relationship. And it's, of course, it's part of a poly relationship as well. And that jealousy is one of the biggest hurdles people have to overcome in a poly relationship. So the smart poly partner is very careful about how they talk about their other partners to their other partners. Be smart about it. This kind of ties into one of the questions I received after my last poly podcast, which was, I was talking about how when you have feelings of jealousy, when you have feelings of insecurity and fear in a poly relationship, that it's always bad to try and fence off your partner and curtail their relationships or try to somehow come between them and their other partner. That usually ends bad for you. The best thing you can do is be the best possible partner to them. Always strive, never get complacent, etc. And again, that's great advice for a monogamous relationship too. But in poly, it's especially important because your partner has another partner. And if you are dragging them down and their other partner is lifting them up, they're going to naturally want to go towards the partner that makes them feel good. The one that makes them feel secure, the one that makes them feel safe, the one that they don't feel like they're being attacked, etc. So you have to decide, which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the partner that's making them feel bad and making them feel attacked and vulnerable and afraid? Or do you want to be the partner that's building them up and giving them support and security? It's, it's a very easy choice. So the best possible defense against losing a partner in any relationship is to be the best choice. And some of the listeners to that podcast understood that to mean that I'm somehow playing my partners off against each other. And while I can see that from kind of a Machiavellian standpoint, remember that this isn't me directing that at my partners. This is advice for the person that feels insecure and that feels scared about losing a partner. This is a proactive way of turning those jealous anxieties and that fear to a good purpose. If you're worried about losing your partner, the only thing you can do is be the best partner you can be. That's it. You know, trying to dissuade them, trying to push them away from their other partner will always make you the bad guy, will always make you the person that's coming between them and something they want. Giving them more rules, you know, complaining that they hang out with them too much. Again, that's not going to help your case, even if it's absolutely true. I'm not saying you cannot communicate with your partner, not saying that you have to hide everything. But if you're anxious and worried, the best thing you can do is be a better partner. Be the best possible partner for them. Be the better choice. And you can't really go wrong with that. You know, they still may want to go be with that other person more than they want to be with you. And that is just how life works. That is a possibility no matter what you choose to do. But it's a much less likely outcome if you and your partner have a good, happy, stable, healthy, supportive relationship. So you need to do everything you can to make that happen. So it, in my mind, it has no bearing on playing partners off each other. It's not as if I'm saying, well, so-and-so does this, so you should do this. That is very manipulative, and that's not what I'm talking about. These are things that you have to decide for yourself to do to be a better partner, not to manipulate two partners against each other, which is very bad. Like that's 
I can say that in this poly do's and don'ts, that's definitely a bad. Don't play partners off each other. Don't make one partner feel bad about another partner's whatever. They've got a better job or a nicer car or they're fitter or whatever. That will absolutely put you on the road to failure if you start comparing your partners to each other or playing them off each other or saying, you know, stupid things like, oh, well, it's too bad you don't want to go to the football game. My other partner loves to go to the football game. Like That's not going to win you any favor with either of your partners. Recognize that you're dating two different people for very different reasons. You're not dating twins or clones or the exact same person in different hair colors. They're going to have very different personalities. They're going to have very different likes and dislikes. Otherwise, kind of what's the point? It's a lot of work if you're dating two exact same people. I don't understand why you would do that. So the fact that everybody's different, the fact that you're not likely to date two people that are exactly the same, you need to enjoy that and celebrate the fact that they're not the same. You need to enjoy and celebrate the fact that one of your partners may be very sporty and loves to go to games and your other partner wouldn't be caught dead at a game. Enjoy that, but never use that against either of your partners. That's a recipe for disaster. So any kind of manipulation or playing one off the other is really bad practice and will end in everybody being unhappy. So yeah, never do that. Another person had asked, okay, Polly's great and all, but what if you have kids? What if there's kids involved in the situation? How do they work into this arrangement? And the, the very simple answer is the same way you talk to kids about homosexuality or anything else. Kids are very accepting and understanding of things if you simply explain them in age-appropriate terms, you know? Why are those two men holding hands? Because they love each other. They're in a relationship, just like, you know, your mom and me, for example. And that's it. Kids are fine with that. They may ask more questions. They may not understand, but they're not going to suddenly combust. They're not going to fall into little tiny pieces of porcelain because you explain the world around them. And being in a poly relationship is just like that. You simply explain to them Yes, I have this person, and this person's my girlfriend or my boyfriend, and I have this other person, and they are also my girlfriend or boyfriend, and we all like each other, and we all get along, and that's fine. Kids are remarkably resilient. Kids are remarkably understanding and accepting. And I found, especially recently, you know, kids are getting a lot more education that there's other lifestyles. There's other ways to live your life. And it's very good and positive to be accepting about that. People often complain about woke culture, which is the stupidest thing because being woke is not a bad thing. Being aware that other people's lives are different than yours. They have different struggles. They have different strengths. They have different customs. They have different ways of living. And you need to be accepting of those. You need to understand that not everybody is just like you. And that expecting everyone to fit into your little box of what you think is right and wrong is bad. So the opposite of that is being woke. How cringy, I know. So obviously it encompasses a lot more than that, especially social justice. But in this case, we're talking about understanding and accepting other people having different lifestyles than you. So this actually came up recently. And Koch's kid asked, you know, what's the deal here? How does this relationship work? Because up until then, we just really hadn't talked about it. You know, we had a friend that came over from time to time. 
I've never seen Koch's kid respond to anybody as well as they respond to my other partner. They get along fantastically. So she was always excited when my other partner visited, and that was a good thing. And eventually, apparently, it occurred to her that, wait a second, this seems a little strange. How does this work? And when Katya explained it to her, problem solved. You know, that was it. No further questions, no uncomfortability, no squeamishness about the whole thing. She just accepted it. Because at her level, where she's at right now, it doesn't really matter. She just had a curiosity. That curiosity was answered and done. In the future, sure, she'll probably have more questions about it. She'll probably want to know more about how it works. But at the moment, she doesn't even think she ever wants to have a relationship of any kind. And maybe she will, maybe she won't. Maybe she'll change her mind. But she's not interested in that kind of thing. She's not interested about the details about how it all works out. So Katya gave her the amount of understanding and, and knowledge that she wanted. And the problem was solved. Now... You know, because of the relationship with Katya and her ex-partner, we only have Katya's kid around once every other week. So it's every other week. I don't really think that it would change if there was a kid here full time. But I'm sure that there are couples that have kids. And one of the questions was leaning towards, you know, so you're in a poly relationship with two people. And you have children with one of them, but not with the other one. How does that work? Is there co-parenting? Is there... Do they have two moms or two dads? What's the story there? And the only answer I can give to that, having been in a number of poly relationships where there were children involved, is it depends entirely on the relationship. In one poly relationship with two women and one man, and one pair has a child and the other person does not have a child with the man. If that other person takes on and feels comfortable with and wants to have more parental style responsibilities and that's comfortable for the other two people, then sure, I'm, I'm certain that that would take the case. But that kind of thing happens with sisters, right? And brothers, you, you may, your brother's kid, your, your nephew or your niece, you might be very close to them and you have a very close relationship or you only see them at Thanksgiving and that's gonna vary widely based on the relationships involved. So I know a lot of aunts and uncles that have very close ties to their nieces and nephews, and they would have a very parental role. Sometimes the child will go and live with the aunt or the grandma or whatever, and that person will take on you know, a full-time parental role. Other times, you know, it's a very distant, I've only seen my uncle at Thanksgiving once. So I can't speak to all poly relationships, it will depend on how frequently that other person is involved in the kid's life. It'll depend on how comfortable that kid is with the situation. There's a million variables here, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with, you know, if there's a close poly relationship, all three people in a relationship together, they all have affection for each other and friendship. If a kid's in that situation, that kid is very fortunate. That kid has another person that has a good close family relationship with their parents and with them and yeah they now they've got two moms or a mom and a half or two dads or a dad and a half or just a very close family friend that they can turn to and that they can be supportive of them and help them out so in my situation with Katya I don't want to impose myself as a parental figure I don't think that's comfortable for Katya's kid I don't think that's comfortable for Katya and I assume it's not comfortable for conscious ex-partner. 
So I do make it very clear that I'm not in a parental role. I do my best to be supportive of Katja's kid. I know I help out with rides to and from school. I do things like make food and take care of necessities and help out with things. I'm happy to do that. And I'm happy to do that to whatever extent is needed of me in this relationship. That to me is part of being in a relationship with someone that has a kid. If you're going to enter a relationship with someone, man or woman, and they have a kid in their life, that's part of the deal. Like you don't get to just kind of be like, hey, not my kid. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I think you do have to be willing at least to help out. You know, you may never be called on Mont. And I've had relationships where I had no interaction whatsoever with my partner's kids, either because of the age that they were at or because that's not what my partner wanted. And that's understandable. That's perfectly fine. But I feel like if I enter into a relationship with a partner that has a child, it's part of the deal. Like I, they can call on me to pick up the kid from school. They can call on me to help make dinner. They can call on me to, you know, hey, my kid needs this thing. Can you help them with this? Absolutely. That's my take on it. But I very much let Katja and Katja's kid and Katja's ex-partner kind of set the boundaries for what they see as my role in this. And I don't try to assume too much. I don't want to be in the situation where, you know, I'm trying to lay down the law. And that, of course, can be very difficult. And Katya and I talked about this on the episode when we were talking about BDSM and kids and should kids know about your private life, et cetera. But yeah, that, that interaction can be very delicate, right? I only have so much authority over Katya's kid. I allow Katya to be the one that makes the decisions for the kid. I cede all authority and decision-making to Katya. Now, yes, I absolutely give Katya my input because Katya is my sub and that's my job, but I would never impose my authority over Katya over her kid. I would never say you have to do this thing. I'll make very strong suggestions saying you really should do this. And this is why. But that's the one thing in our relationship where Katya can just say, no, I don't want to do that. And I will absolutely support that. And we have not come to that point at all because I do try to stay hands off. There's, it's very rare that I feel like I need to step in and pull Katya aside and say, this is a problem and this is how I think we should fix it. So I do, I work very hard as a dominant person in this relationship to not be overbearing when it comes to her kid. I think that translates well, whether you're in a kinky poly relationship or just a plain poly relationship as the person that's not the direct parent of a kid in a poly relationship, you need to be willing to be supportive. You need to be willing to be the person that, you know, shows up and picks them up or takes them to the school play or whatever it is. And then at the same time, understand that you have to give all authority and all responsibility for that kind of thing to the parents. It can be delicate, but what isn't? You tell me something in a relationship that isn't difficult and hard to figure out sometimes. Go by feel and use good communication. You know, use all the tools you have. Talk to your partner and say, hey, you know, I really like your kid and I'm happy to take them fishing or camping or go to the ballet or whatever. Whatever they're comfortable with, make yourself available. And they may say, you know, I appreciate that, but, you know, her father and I or her mother and I kind of want to keep this separate. So I really appreciate it. And you're welcome to come to the school play, but we want to be the ones that do that kind of thing. Or they may be perfectly happy to let you take them because they're tired and they need a break. It really will depend on the individual relationship. 
but since I went off on this long tangent, the, coming back to the main point of can kids understand and handle a poly relationship? Absolutely. They absolutely can. I've never been in a relationship with someone where the kids were freaked out and didn't, you know, just accept it. They just were like, okay, whatever. You guys do what you do because kids today are a bit more socially aware. They're a bit more accepting of people that have non-traditional or alternative lifestyles. I wish I could guarantee that across the board, you know, you may have a kid that finds out that you're in a poly relationship and they lose their ever loving mind. However, you're the adult, they're the kid, they don't get to dictate how you live your life. That's kind of how it works. And depending on their age, you don't necessarily get to dictate how they live their life. And that might be a very good conversation to have in that as kids grow and they grow in more independence and they start to want to do their own things. They start to understand their parents more, hopefully. But there's that negotiation that happens with every parent and every kid where they want more freedoms and you have to be willing to give them more freedoms, etc. But part of that is them understanding that you are an individual person, that you have wants, that you have needs, that you have things you like to do and things you don't like to do. And that you are not put on this earth for the sole purpose of catering to their every need. That's just the way it is. Obviously, for young kids, they can't understand that. And they do need you to cater to their every need. That's your job, right? But as kids gain more independence, they can be taught that, hey, you know, I know you want to do this thing, but I don't have time or I don't want to do this thing. So we're not going to do this thing. And that's okay. Those conversations are rough. One of those conversations can be, look, this is the way I want to live my life. It does not affect you. It doesn't harm you. And I would like it very much if you were accepting of it, but you don't get to dictate to me whom I have a relationship with. This is the person I've chosen or the persons I've chosen. And that's the way it is. It can be difficult. It can be rough. Like I said, in my experience, and I've had a lot of poly relationships with a lot of different kids, it was never an issue. The kids just accepted it as this is what life is. This is how it works. Maybe I've been lucky. I did not expect to go on quite such a tangent on the, the parenting aspect of it. Obviously, I've got a lot more thoughts on that than I thought I did. There will be more of these. There'll be more periodic poly episodes where we delve into more detailed specifics, how to make it work, how to approach it, etc. Um, one of the other questions that I got recently was, so you know a poly person and you're interested in dating them, how do you go about asking them on a date? You know, for example, if you knew a married couple and you were interested in dating one of them, you know it's probably inappropriate to ask one of them on a date. For poly people, it's not necessarily inappropriate. The difficulty will be, are you sure they're poly? Usually you know or you don't know. And if you're sure they're poly, then yes, you may treat them as a single individual in forms of dating. Now, of course, they may not be interested in dating or they might be interested in dating. You don't know, but you can approach a poly person exactly like you would approach anybody that you didn't know for certain had a boyfriend or girlfriend. And then the impetus is on them to say, oh, well, yes, I, I'm interested or I'm unavailable or, you know, I have two poly partners already. So while I am poly, I don't have room in my life right now for another partner, which is something that I, I frequently have to tell people, which is, you know, yes, I am poly and I'm free to date whomever I want, but I have to be very careful on my time. You know, I have very little time already. 
almost every hour of every day is filled, if I was to take on another full-time partner or even a, a secondary partner, it would be difficult for me to allot enough time to make that relationship fulfilling for both of us, especially for them. It may be a lot of fun for me, but unless they have a very busy schedule as well, they're going to have a lot of downtime that I can't fill because I need to attend to my responsibilities and my other partners. So, yeah, I don't think there's any harm in asking. And you would approach it just like you would approach asking anybody out. If you met somebody at a bar and you liked them and you wanted to date them, you could initiate a conversation and you could gauge their interest in you. You know, unless you absolutely know someone is in a committed monogamous relationship, then I don't think there's any bar to expressing interest in dating them. I can tell you from a poly perspective that, yeah, you know, we being poly, if you're approached by somebody, you tell them, oh, yeah, I'm interested. I have a partner. This is my this is my current situation, et cetera. But I don't think any poly person would be offended by it. There's no harm in asking somebody or expressing your interest in somebody that's in a relationship. Again, unless you absolutely know that they're in a committed monogamous relationship, then you kind of take it as a given that they may have a girlfriend you don't know about. They may have a boyfriend that you don't know about. Or they may be poly and open, or they may be poly and they are saturated. They have enough relationships where they cannot entertain a new relationship. But yeah, so there's nothing special you need to do if you want to approach a poly person. Aside from understanding that entering a poly relationship, if you've never done it before, is going to be a very steep learning curve, I think. Um, for example, when I am looking to date somebody, if I'm you know, on the market, as it were, I don't really like to initiate relationships with someone that isn't comfortable and happy and experienced in a poly relationship. It can be very difficult for someone who's not experienced in poly to adapt to poly. I do have a preference for dating poly people. I like to date people that are experienced and comfortable and successful in poly. And that's me. I have much more difficulty when I try to date someone that's monogamous because, again, I only have so much time and a monogamous person is going to want a lot more time than I can allot and they tend to feel neglected. And that's just how it goes. It's always easier in a poly relationship if there's balance, if your partners have partners of their own, because you will not be able to give all of your time and attention like you would in a monogamous relationship. That may be the only bar I would say is if you're a monogamous person and you want to date a poly person, be prepared to learn a lot and perhaps go through some growing pains if you initiate that relationship with them. All right. That will wrap up for this week. I will continue this conversation more. I have more questions about Polly that I've gotten, but I don't want to get too in the weeds on this. When I create these episodes, I will sit down ahead of time and I look at my sheets and I look at the questions I've been asked and I do get an outline for the podcast. I know roughly what I want to talk about, but until I sit down here and I look into the camera, I don't, I don't have a script and I tried scripting it. I didn't like it. I didn't like the way that it came across as very dry and scripted. I like sitting down and talking to you guys as if we were sitting across the table at a coffee shop and you were asking questions or you had something that you wanted to know about and I had stuff to talk to you about. You know, very conversational, very one-on-one. -on -one. I do have a very amalgamous view of my subscriber. I sit down and I think about their questions. I think about what you guys have written to me 
I think about the concerns you've expressed to me, the questions that you've asked. And obviously, while I'm not speaking to any one of you directly, I do approach this as if it was a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So I knew what I wanted to talk about today, and I've talked about things I had no idea I was going to mention, and that's fine. But it means that sometimes these podcasts go in directions I have almost no control over. That's what happens when you do it live. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I really hope that you subscribe and that you follow us on Instagram. It is kind of amazing to me that there's a few thousand of you that tune into this podcast and write to me about it, ask me questions, send me fan mail, correspond with me. It's kind of amazing, and I really appreciate it, and I value that interaction. So keep those questions coming. Keep that back and forth, that communication. That really helps me make a better podcast for you guys. My How to Be a Better Podcaster shows tell me that I should always give you a call to action like, be sure to subscribe, hit that like button, etc. So do those things, or not. Entirely up to you. Check out our social media on Instagram. You can find all of our sites by going to wickedfellow.com our YouTube page, the podcast is there. And I found out this week that, this is kind of funny, I am a huge audiobook fan. And recently Audible, kind of the big audiobook company, started featuring podcasts on their Audible feed. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, I'd like to get my podcast on Audible. How does one go about that? So I went to Audible, looked it up, checked it out, and it turns out that this podcast has been available on Audible for over a year. So there you go. So in addition to all the other places you can find us, iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and pretty much every podcasting app there is, you can also check us out on Audible just by searching for Wicked Ways Studio Podcast. Wicked Wednesdays might show up. I don't know how that search criteria works. We are on Audible. I will add that link to our homepage because it's kind of fun. It's always a bit surreal when my podcast comes up in Apple or my podcast comes up on Google. I'm sure I'll get used to it in time, but at the moment it's still like, oh, look at that. All right, everybody. As always, consent is king. Take very good care of each other. And I'll see you next week.